We do it every week. It's called Win Tickets Wednesday. Listen this Wednesday for your chance to win tickets to the Goo Goo Dolls. Goo Goo Dolls are hitting the road this summer with special guests, Lifehouse and Forrest Black on the Miracle Pill Summer Tour. Don't miss your chance to experience it live on Tuesday, July 28th at USANA Amphitheater. Tickets are on sale now. Purchase your tickets at LiveNation.com. And, of course, we'll be giving away tickets this Wednesday. All right, we've been talking a lot of jazz and BYU. And we've got to mix in some spring football because it is starting for the Utes and Cougars and Aggies and everybody who's involved in that. And joining us now from the Deseret News is Dick Harmon. He comes to us on the Sprint special guest line, at least any I lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Mr. Harmon, good morning. How the heck are you? Good morning, PK. How are you? <laughs> you know, I am doing great. This is a great time of year now. We got most of the winter behind us. A golf season in northern Utah is fast approaching. You and I are always excited about that. And we've got a combination of uh, NCAA basketball, spring football. You know, we've been following. You've been following it much longer than I have. But certainly I've been following BYU basketball now for a good long time. And what do you think from your observation point has made Mark Pope be as good as he is? You know, that's a great question because I think, I think maybe the first thing you need to say and give, give, give credit to seven seniors. Um, it's been a long, long time since we always had seven seniors. They've got, you know, Mika and, and others that have left before their senior year. So to have these seven seniors is really key to build upon. But you got to give Mark Pope all the credit in the world for coming in with tremendous energy and focus, design. He built chemistry, friendships took him over to Europe, uh, kind of got all that stuff uh, solidified. The role-playing model on this team is is really upper level, and uh, getting them playing uh, tougher defense, a brand of defense that is not only effective, but is taking a lot of teams out of their offense at crunch time. And, you know, the guy has got it. He, he's an all-around uh, community guy. He's got the fans involved, the students. He's reached out to former players like he did at Utah Valley. You might remember that he reached out to Travis Hansen and got him to donate a, a whole weight room at Utah Valley. And uh, he, he's that kind of guy. He's, he's worth every penny uh, that they're paying him right now because to take this team, which was struggling with a lot of injuries and uh, suspension, to get them to where they are with what they've been through is just sort of a miracle. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, it really is incredible to, to watch them play and to see their toughness both physically and mentally, has been impressive. There's a whole bunch of storylines there. Uh, You talked about the role-playing. It seems like he must give some type of animal pills to Nixon and Celius to to turn these guys into just animals when they get out on that floor, you know, and they don't have primary roles, but nevertheless, the roles that they play are extremely important. And I can argue just – there's a whole bunch of stuff, but I can argue those two guys – are the biggest difference makers so far in the way that they're playing off the bench. Yeah, there's no question. I think you, you really hit it there. And it's interesting to see what he's done, not not so much behind the scenes because we don't get to see that, but what he'll do is he'll single out one of those two guys in a press conference or a media gaggle, and he'll just praise the heck out of them and say, these guys are the reason we're, we're, we're winning, and, and those guys just 
it turns on a switch on them. They glow. They're getting credit for what they do. So when they come in, you know, they, they turn into barracudas, and there's not a big drop-off. In some cases, their energy level has come in and actually started a little bit of a run, a, you know, a seven- or eight-point run when they've come in the game. So definitely, I think that is uh, you know, the, the sixth and seventh men coming in and, and playing the stretch four or just, you know, even playing the center of the position and, and guarding somebody or, you know, going off the pick and roll and making baskets. It's uh, it's kind of, you know, you just don't think you're going to get that much out of those players coming off the bench, but he's turned them into to very valuable players, maybe even having futures. How about Hawes in terms of, you know, this big expectation, this outrageous expectation for these Lone Peak guys? And here he is, the last lone – I call him the last Lone Peak survivor and <laughs> to be able to be out there. And yet, you know, he's playing steady. He's playing above steady. I mean, he had 13 assists and two turnovers. Those are incredible numbers in college basketball. We know about the big shots. The thing that I like is he's shown really no attitude along the way because – he could have become surly and just turned inward, but yet he still seems like the same dude that he was three years ago. Even though now he's playing so much better. Well, he is. He, you know, I think you hit it on the head. He, he seems to get more out of himself now. It, it's almost like, and I heard Steve Cleveland talking a little earlier. You know, the pressure of running this team and being a team leader and doing everything and having everything come together is a little bit off of him. He can concentrate on that pick and roll and making the right decision and then, uh, you know, getting the ball to somebody that he knows can make it. And then, you know, that's a 44% three-point shooter in, uh, in uh, Jake uh, Toulson. I mean, if you have those kind of weapons on your team uh, – you know, and all of a sudden with Alex Barcelo, he doesn't have to, to to guard as much, but he's a better defender than he's ever been in his career. So he his all-around game has just up to the point where he's become extremely efficient at what he does. Um, in talking to some of the players on this pick and roll, I mean, he's become an elite passer in setting up that play, and it's a very hard thing to do. You and I remember back in the days of uh, Stockton and Malone and how effective that was. I'm not saying that they're that good, but they're getting close to being effective as a college duo in, in really running that play to where it really stresses the defense. And when you can go that and have that go-to play in your in your back pocket with seven minutes to go against the defense that's uh, really really fatigued and fragmented, um, it, it does. It goes a long way, and I think that's what will help them in the NCAA tournament because. The WCT teams have uh, WCC teams have had a chance to scout that and to play against it and defend it. But when you get in the NCAs, they don't have a lot of time, a lot of film, and you know to prepare for that kind of thing. And that's why they probably can be effective in a run if they get going. Is, is the teams are going to struggle to defend that? The Carmen Desert News joining us. You know Mark Pope's charisma. It's definitely there. You know you go down to i've been to a couple games you go to a media session he'll pat you on the back thanks for coming and it, you know he reminds me sort of like a lower level jim boylan in terms of charisma with the crowd and the players now that stuff blew up in jim boylan's face uh, because it didn't work over the long term it found out that it was actually very shallow the go utes grabbing the microphone and all that stuff pope hasn't grab grabbed the microphone but he has that charisma uh, how long do you think that this can last as far as him being able to rally around 
And because he's got he he walked in, obviously, to an ideal situation. Now, he deserves all the credit, as you say, but he did walk and Dave Rose left him a great situation here. Let's make no mistake about it. He's not working miracles. He brought he had some talent available. But I'm wondering now that charisma and all the stuff that he has to be able to build a program. How much do you have faith in him and how long do you think that can last for him to be able to do that? You know, that's a great question. I think it goes back to recruiting, and we've already seen he got he got Jake Toulson to come and follow him, and maybe that wasn't a big sell uh, to do that, but that was huge. Black Player of the Year. And then here's the big one. He got Yoli Childs, who was out the door, never to come back, was not coming back, to come back. It cost him a nine-game suspension, but he pulled that off. So I'm thinking it boils down to recruiting. You don't always in this game in college you're you're not going to get five or six or seven or ten you know really top recruits on one squad but you only need one or two and you know you can complement that with three or four or five but you need to get one or two on a 13-man squad to really make a difference so i'm thinking that if he can recruit and keep this thing rolling uh and bring in some either some seniors uh transfers or JC guys or, or some high school guys coming back off missions. Uh, this Dallin Hall is, you know, an example up there at Fremont. The guy just stopped the charts. If he can somehow get a commitment out of him in the next few months, uh, you know, then I think that he can prove to BYU fans that he can build things, sustain things, and I think he can keep it going. You think now, though, because they've had not quite a dream season because there's still work to be done, and the pressure is going to be ramped up on them. They were sort of uh, under the radar a little bit. Gonzaga's always getting the attention, and then, you know, they lose early to St. Mary's, and he's always been out, but now he's come back. And what are they? They're like 16-2 and since he's been back in the lineup, and obviously that's a phenomenal winning percentage. And so now – they're expected to get to the conference final and compete with Gonzaga. And then the following week when they get in the NCAA tournament, they're expected to win. How do you think they'll handle it being in a different situation as far as expectation relative to where they were earlier in the season? You know, I think the pressure is mounting on them and that could be a negative. I think the things that I've seen though in the last two weeks is he's targeted a couple of things. He's made the team better at executing in practice number one, and then number two, those little stretches where BYU's kind of faltered. Um, they, did, they did it at uh, St. Mary's. They did it at uh, uh, San Francisco. They did it against Utah where they where kind of struggled in, in a little bit of a setting. They did it against Gonzaga. But he's got them fighting through their frustrations, and it's energized the team. And I think that those two things that they've worked on are kind of carrying them right now. He's always adding things to the menu to give him something to pick up on and to work on to get better. This team's a far better team than it was two weeks ago, and they're missing Kevin Nixon. Dalton Nixon, but we get your point. Kevin's yeah, the father. Uh, well, <laughs> no, Kevin didn't go on the last road trip, so they, they missed him, I guess. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, Dalton nice. Dal Nixon's not out there, and they're, they're getting better. That, that's unbelievable. Yeah, and you've been around this university and this athletic program for as long or longer than everybody, speaking of Dick Harmon. Uh, with that in mind, Mark Pope, he's been around. He played in the NBA. He's coached other places. He's not this so-called Utah guy that or BYU guy, I should say, Utah, the state of Utah, where they bring in these guys who almost have no experience 
And, and it takes them like Bronco Mendenhall, you know, had no experience as a head coach. And it took him 10 years to build up a resume. And he built up a pretty good resume. And then he cashes in over at Virginia. Uh, and you look at uh, Kalani's in the process of building it. Uh, Steve Cleveland built it. Dave Rose built it. And then they got offers. And we know Steve left. Dave didn't. But my point is, somebody is likely to come after Mark Pope uh, sooner rather than later because he comes into it with a resume and a name recognition that some of these other coaches didn't have. And it took a while for them to get him, get them. So even after only one year, I would suspect he would have opportunities to move on if he chooses. And you know, that BYU administration and how it works. You think they'll pony up to keep him? Well, it's, Yes and no. I mean, the administration, are, they're locked into what they do, and they have a cap of what they can do, and they're not going to get in an arms race. But then you have the coaches circle. You have other people, uh, you know, Ryan Smith and others that can come back and, and, and make some kind of package available to them. They did take care of Dave Rose when he decided to retire in a way that made it very palatable to him. So you talk about the actual nuts and bolts of the operation, that's one thing. And then you could talk about boosters that come in and can help and make it worth their while to stay, and that's a completely different uh, thing. So, yes, I think they can do that, but I also do think people are going to come after Mark. Uh, they'd be fools not to. There's also the the adage that, you know, they're, they're here at, at, at the school of their faith. They've got children. They've got young kids growing up. They've got their own athletic programs. Uh, speaking of Mark Pope and, and uh, Chris Burgess, and you know, and they're, they're right in a setting now near their families and their grandparents, and uh, and uncles and aunts, and, and that's important to some people more than traveling. But there's no question if somebody came along and offered a tremendous amount of money, it'd be a great temptation for Mark Pope. And uh, you know, nobody could blame him for for looking and, and testing those waters. But I got, I got to tell you, the, the excitement that you saw again in that Gonzaga game in the Marriott Center with the people that were there the boosters that were on sideline uh, i don't think they're going to give him up very easy yeah all right that's basketball we'll follow that like very excited you going to vegas because i'm going to be down there i expected yeah. these guys to be competing for the conference title uh next week so we'll follow that for sure in the immediacy and since they don't have a game until uh next week we got some spring football going on kalani trying to build that program and now, you know, he's been there. Missionaries are coming back. So, I mean, now's the time to get going because you've been there a number of years. What's it, four years going into fifth season? And so there's really no more excuses beyond the excuses that were there when he took the job. And that's the difficulty of recruiting to BYU. We understand that. Uh, with that in mind, what are some storylines you're looking forward to as far as spring ball? Well, I think we're going to look at the defensive assignments by the coaching staff. Is he tweaked that? Is it going to be Eliza Tuiaki, uh, you know, doing everything? Or is there going to split things up a little bit with uh, him and Ed Lamb? And, uh, and is he going to be involved there? I think that's one thing is to see what's going to happen to that defense. And if they change the front to a 2-4-2, how is that going to affect the defensive pass rush? And then the second thing I think is probably the running back situation uh, with Sione uh, Final having an ACL tear. You got Katoa coming back. You got the Utah transfer there. That that whole thing has to be shored up big time. Have to see the names of the people and how well they do. And then I think uh, Zach Wilson's got to got to take control of this team and. He's got to prove that he has progressed and is progressing enough to get BYU over the hump because the schedule that they have coming up is as tough as any I've seen since Gary Croton's, uh, what was it, 2004, 2005? Um, 2004, yeah. Tough, tough, 
very, very tough, tough schedule. The Carmen Desert News joining us. You talk about Zach Wilson. You know, he had the injury, so you got to account for that. But I'm, I was high on Wilson coming out of high school. And then, you know, when he got a shot as a freshman, I thought he played well. I think to me, he underwhelmed a little bit last year. I expected more of him. I know he got injured and that set him back. No question about it. But and he wasn't healthy really when he came back. But I was disappointed in the San Diego State and Hawaii games. I thought the offense would be better. I thought the defense, uh, you know, obviously the defense against Hawaii struggled. But I think that they had enough to win both of those games and they didn't win either of them. And that left a sour taste in a lot of BYU fans' mouths, including mine. Uh, how much do you believe that Zach can really make that next step forward and assume control, or is it going to be he's going to be pushed by the other two guys? Well, I think in a way, last year, you know, and you're right, I agree with you. I think, I think he needs to be pushed. He needs to be challenged. He needs to come every day to be sharp and to improve. I think we look at last year that it, was, it really was his freshman year because he came in late. Uh, with Tanner Mangum uh, as the starter, didn't really get going, had a few games, five games, did really well in that bowl game, then had surgery, came off of that surgery and wasn't really, I don't think, totally ready to go and had to set out a couple of games when he, when he got hurt uh, at, to, uh, uh, at Toledo. And so he really is, that, that was, could really be said was his freshman year last year. And so I think this year, you know, I expect him to be far better than he's been, especially in situational uh, awareness. You know, that seemed to get him in a lot of trouble in games where he would kind of lose control of the down and distance or that score and the the time and and try to to win the game himself. And he can't do that. He's got to use everybody. And so I think a mature leader that can make, uh, you know, good decisions under pressure, that's where he'll make his most, um, you know, progress this season. So they've had a couple of high-profile kids get in trouble legally and driving and all that, and Pau last year and Ayu this year. How much heat does that turn up on Kalani when stuff like that happens? Well, I think it does. It always does because whenever the headlines hit and uh, the red phone uh, rings in the office in Salt Lake City and um, you know, they might get a phone call, what, what's going on there and who's in control and what's happening. So every time that happens, but the frustrating thing, uh, I think, PK, is when it happens to, you know, athletes that are both members of the faith and that those that have served uh, LDS missions and had spent two years of their time uh, teaching certain things and they come home and they, they have failures and they've had a handful of those in the last few months. But in talking to some other coaches and some other programs, you know, they're telling me that the kids this day, even the ones that are members of the faith, they're struggling. And just like anybody else, they have a lot of weaknesses and a lot of challenges and, and uh, they, 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 they worry about those kids. Sometimes a kid from not, not outside the faith that comes here and wants something and, and working a little bit harder, which is really kind of surprising to me. But there are, there are big challenges with our young people, I think, in our community, uh, whether they be of the faith or not of the faith, and that they're going through a transition of this whole uh, generation. Um, but it's very disappointing, I think, to the families of those and to coaching staff when you expect one thing and then you get another thing. It's just almost mind-boggling. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, hope for the best for them when they make these mistakes. I get it, and I'm, I'm just afraid sometimes it it comes down a little too hard on some people who are trying their best, and then kids make mistakes, and then other people have to have consequences and have to answer for it, and that bothers me to a degree. Yeah, it does, and and I'm with you, PK, because we're old enough and we've had uh, experience enough as fathers and as grandfathers, or, or you know, uncles or aunts, and we've had 
you've had people that have struggled, and it makes it far harder when people judge them in a way that doesn't let them come back in a way that they should. It should be a support system in the community and on a team and on family and that where you you put your arms around them and you help them. But sometimes I think in this culture, we make it harder for people to rebound. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I appreciate that. Appreciate you coming on, Dick. I'll see you in Vegas uh, next week. All right. Let's get a tea time. See ya. <laughs> That's Dick Harmon, uh, the, uh, a renowned golfer for sure. Golfed with him a few times. We appreciate him of the Desert News joining us. And uh, BYU, a lot of stuff going on. Exciting time, March Madness. BYU's back in March Madness for the first time in four years. And that alone, even if they were to go out in the first round, would be disappointing, obviously. But the fact that they are back in and have back been in the mix for several weeks now is exciting. Mark Pope, I would think, would be the runaway coach of the year in the West Coast Conference. We'll see about player of the year. And Yoli Childs certainly deserves consideration. A couple guys, a couple of big men from Gonzaga will have a say in that. Maybe Jordan Ford for St. Mary's and the Fitz kid. So it's not a runaway. I think Pope would be a runaway for coach of the year. Player of the year remains to be seen. But good times for BYU basketball and college football with spring ball starting up. The Utes, they have a bunch of stuff, too. We'll be up on the hill, get you all the sound. For that and the observations as their practices are wide open, anybody can go up as long as they're outside and see this new kid, Bentley, see what he can do. Will he be able to hold off Cam Rising? Cam Rising been in the program for a year. A lot of exciting stuff going on here locally. And stay with us. We'll catch you up to date on everything that we've been talking about this morning right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The Utah Jazz begin a four-game road trip tonight in Cleveland against the Cavaliers. Tip-off set for 5 p.m. Mountain Time. The Zone's coverage will begin with the Jazz Game Night pregame show at 4 o'clock. On 1280 a.m. later tonight, the Salt Lake City Stars, who are atop the Western Conference in the G League at 27-12, and 12, will take on the South Bay Lakers here at Vivint Smart Home Arena. It is Autism Awareness tonight at 7 o'clock Mountain Time. Like I said, listen to that game right here on 1280 The Zone. The Jazz game will be on 97.5 The Zone. In college basketball, number 17 BYU clinched the number two seed in the upcoming West Coast Conference tournament after being Pepperdine 81 to 64 behind Yoli Childs' career high 38 points. Utah came up short in overtime as they lost to Cal 86 to 79. Real Salt Lake opened their season with a nil-nil draw at Orlando City. RSL will have their home opener this coming Saturday against the New York Red Bulls. This top of the wire update brought to you by Zero Res. Zero, Zero Res leaves no dirt attracting residues behind, so your carpets stay cleaner longer. Schedule your cleaning appointment today for just $33 per room. Clean three areas and your fourth is free. Call Zero Res for details at 801-288-9376 or check them out online at zeroresaltlake.com. Big Show. Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Are you ready? You guys ready? Howard Beck from the Bleacher Report. Teams that have the requisite talent, veteran talent, proven talent, and the Jazz fall into those categories can find themselves in the last month of a season. And as long as you ended on the right note and you got into the playoffs with everybody in rhythm, the chemistry looking good, you kind of forget about how you got there and the mini dramas along the way. So I don't think what's happening now is necessarily indicative of concerns that the Jazz should have in mid-April, but it all depends on what happens in the next six weeks, obviously. Turn this up. Catch the Big Show, presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Afternoons from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
that's how we want to play. We had more deflections than we've had in a while, the activity in that respect. And we have to be a determined team. You know, whether it's offensively, you know, playing through contact, defensively, having a presence and, and not letting people feel comfortable being aggressive. And, you know, I thought our, our team took some pride in that. And that's, you know, one of the things we've been talking about. And, you know, I thought we were committed to the defensive end. All right, the 9 a.m. Slacker radio headlines are brought to you by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Sandy. Find your deals uh, online at lhmdeals.com. That was Quinn Snyder. That was after the win on last Friday night against the Wizards. At this point in the year, relative to where the Jazz are, any win is good win. It doesn't matter. You win. You take it. Simple. Any win, good win. It just equals good win. And Cleveland you know, it's not a must win in terms of if you lose, you're just totally hosed. But in terms of where they are in the playoff race, come on. They've got to win this game, man. They must. 37 and 22. And the thing about it, we've been talking about it this morning. It seems like everybody around them is playing great. LeBron, 35 years old doing what he does. I mean, I still, I enjoy watching that guy play. I think I watch what I enjoy watching LeBron play even more now. Because I assume it's going to end. Although at 35, he shows no signs of having it end. He looks in the same condition and is the same player that he's always been. But I'm figuring he's got less time than he's got more time, right? I mean, come on. 35 years of age. He's still going as strong as he is. This guy's amazing. I enjoy watching him play because he's still at the top of his game. You've got to figure the Lakers are a legitimate contender to get out of the West. So you got them, the Clippers. You know, they added uh, one of the Morris brothers. It seemed like they got some more depth now. Guys are playing well. The role players are playing better. And then you got Kawhi Leonard, who's darn near as good as anybody, not named LeBron. In fact, I'd put him right up there with anybody. I'd take it. You know, I'd probably take him because he's a little bit younger than LeBron. But other than that, who you got? And so the Clippers are going to be there. I still think through it all, the Nuggets are not being appreciated to the level that they should be. Jokic, a foreign guy, he looks a little doughy. He's not as buff as some of these other dudes, maybe. I don't know. I don't get what the reason is. But the Nuggets aren't taken seriously. I view them as serious. I view them as a serious contender. And then the Rockets, if Westbrook is going to play like he did Saturday, holy cow, my gosh. With that putback dunk, nobody, as Barry Trammell, the Oklahoma columns, says nobody plays angrier than he does. And he's got a lot to prove. And so does Harden because they haven't been able to get over the top individually and then collectively. This is our second go around. We're together, obviously, years back in Oklahoma City. They're really good. So I, I just named you four teams right there. The Thunder coming on strong. The Jazz have got to win. They have got to go minimum 3-1 on this road trip. They go 3-1 then I will consider them at least uh, arguably back to where they were. Uh, Maybe where we thought they would be was not quite as good as they are. But if they go 3-1 and on this trip, play competitive against Boston, okay, you've reclaimed some of what you lost. You go 4-0, and I'm jumping for joy. Anything less, anything less than 3-1, and I'm nervous again. And in terms of when I'm speaking about what that nervousness means, that means getting beat in the first round. And that means going into it as a fairly significant underdog. That's the way I view it. You go 4-0, and I'm going to feel better. Obviously, we all are. You go 1-3, and 2-2, and I'm not going to feel near as good. This is a big-time road trip for the sake of the remaining 20-some games of the season. 
And they got to get it off this, get off to the right start tonight against the Cleveland Cavaliers. No reason why they shouldn't, man. I got their winning percentage at 85% tonight. It's virtually overwhelming that they get this thing done because if they don't, oh, that panic button, if it exists, we're talking about where cliches came from. I don't know where they've come from, but panic button is out there. They lose tonight. And it just, and all it does is just wipe away the nice win you had against Washington, right? It just eliminates that. So, in a sense, you lose tonight. You, in my mind, you'd be 0 6, even though you'd be 1 5, because it takes away the good feeling. But I think it's all just for not. I think they're going to win. They're going to win Tuesday or Wednesday, I should say, against the Knicks. And then we'll worry about Friday when we get there. We're just at the beginning of the week. What a grand week it is as we are into March. You realize, Yak. Baseball opening day is this month. That's good enough for me. David Locke. You're going to bring that up. Yeah. David Locke trying to revolutionize the game with his cockamamie ideas of letting Mike Trout bat every inning. No, that's the last thing I need is to have the same, the guys who have the one or two best players like we do in basketball, have them win it every year. No, I like the drama of it. Some no-name dude like Bucky Dent 50 years ago coming up and hitting a home run and shocking the world. You don't get that in basketball. That's the beauty of baseball. Locke is way wrong. Speaking of Mike Trout, did you see him at Top Golf hit that ball over the fence? Yeah, that, that boy is probably still going. <laughs> now, I was down in Phoenix in the weekend, over the weekend for a wedding. Uh, and the top golf is right out by where the wedding was. I know exactly where he hit that thing, and he hit that bomb. That was truly a big-time bomb. He took a cut that, uh, my gosh, it could just about break your back, and he drove it over the fence way out there, and then he walked around like he was hitting a home run, and he had some guys there. They're all laughing. I looked at some of the comments. HGH is a wonderful thing. Hmm. Wondering how he got that strong. All sorts of stuff out there as far as him using some products that uh, maybe are against the rules. I don't know that that's the case. Uh, He's a buff dude and he's always been good, but maybe I don't know. I guess it's open for debate as far as uh, getting some help there. But nevertheless, if you haven't seen that, it's on Twitter. Just search uh, Mike Trout Golf Ball or uh, YouTube, wherever, and I'm sure you can find it and watch him just crush that golf ball with the most hellacious swing. Uh, Brooks Kepka, John Daly, whoever takes the biggest cut you've ever seen. Uh, Mike Trout is right there. He is really just destroying that golf ball. I'm surprised it didn't explode. Best player in the game. All right, we hit some basketball. I already did that. I talked to you about the Nuggets and the Lakers. Their two best players both getting triple doubles last night as they continue to roll. And the Clippers continue to roll also. That's why it's so imperative for the Jazz to keep pace as much as they possibly can. It's going to be impossible for them, I think, to get in the first or second seed. But see what you can do and hopefully go into the playoff on a good note. College basketball has been resonating. BYU, huge win, clinches the number two seed. Good for them. Yoli Childs, 38 points. Is he not the best big man in BYU history since Kresimir Chosich? I say he is. I never saw Kresimir, but I've heard a lot about him. I say he's the best big man since KC back in the, what, early 70s? Is that when he played yeah. there? Late 60s, early 70s, yep. The yeah. Yugoslavian so, International. And I've heard so much about him. Bill Marcroft used to tell me about him, the old uh, announcer for the uh, 
Utes all those years because he saw him. And I went on millions of road trips and had uh, dozens of dinners with Bill over the years. And he used to tell me about him and how great he was. And I take Bill's word for it because he knows basketball and he had an eye for talent and he knew of what he spoke. He was very good at what he did. And he would tell me about Chosich being all that. And I'm telling you, I know there's a certain jazz announcer that's in that list as far as big man, but I think Yoli is the best big man since Chosich almost 50 years ago. Argue amongst yourselves, all you old timers who remember BYU basketball through the years. Mark Pope, best big man coach. He's the tallest coach they've ever had, and he's doing a phenomenal job. Should be coach of the year in the West Coast Conference. Those awards come out. They come out today because the season's over. They come out tomorrow. I mean, the tournament starts this week. So we should be getting uh, the uh, post-regular uh, season award stuff coming up. I think, uh, Yak, I was thinking about this. You, me, and DJ, we should create our own state of Utah awards. So we should do okay. it for football. And ba- we should do it for football and basketball. Have our all-first team football, all 22 positions. All right. Punter, kicker. Have our coach of the year. Let's do it ourselves. And then in basketball, we should do our top five basketball, all state of Utah college basketball team. We pick from all the schools, uh, all, for, all, all the, we got a ton of division one schools in our state, obviously yes. with the big sky, with the big skies, in Utah Valley. When you're adding and a so, new one the next year in Dixie state too. Yeah. Well, include them. Yeah, absolutely. Who's to say. So we have our top five. And then we take a sixth man. He doesn't have to be a sixth man. It would just be a sixth player. And then we add the coach of the year. And we do that after every football season. And we do that after every basketball season, our all state of Utah team. What do you think? I'm in. Let's do it. I think that's a great idea. We get DJ back and we'll uh, we'll come up with that. We can start with the football's too late now. Yeah, we can do basketball. Uh, but, but we can we can do basketball. We can certainly we follow them enough, especially with all the games being on television or most of the games. You know, I've seen uh, certainly Utah State and Utah and BYU. I've seen them play dozens of times this year. Uh, and uh, we can throw that out there and let people debate among that. It'll be something I think it'll be fun. So I was thinking about that over the weekend that we need to implement that. So DJ comes back at the end of the week. We'll tell him about that. And the Pac-12 season will be over this weekend so we can announce it next Monday. Get on that. Start thinking about who should be your top five, your sixth man, and your coach of the year in the state. Football starts today. Spring football. we got a little NFL combine javelin Gidry, man, did you see him run? You probably didn't because if you blinked, you missed him doing the 40. 429, is that what it was, Yuck? Yeah, 429. Yeah. Yeah. Second fastest oh. to the combine this year. Yeah, man, that is something, man. That's awesome. Terrell Burgess, a bunch of guys ran into four fours, but Terrell or uh, Javelin Gidry getting it down to under 4.3, 4.29. That is is doing some running. He's a track star and a sprinter. So he came out early, and it's looking like he made a good decision. Go make yourself some money, young man. I support that every time, particularly in football. I support that. No reason to be playing college football if you can make professional money in the NFL. You must do that. And so that combine is now done, and now they'll have their pro days coming up probably in about a couple of weeks uh, for the locals. BYU, Utah, and everybody else will be doing that stuff. And then the draft comes up next month. All right, speaking of coming up, 
Stay with us. We'll close up the show next on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. I totally need to play PK for money in billiards now since he doesn't understand it. Hey, PK, my dear old father used to say, well, if that ain't a fine, how do you do? And that's kind of how I feel about the Jazz right now. And the Utes. Kind of both the same. Back. <laughs> uh, let's, let's, let's not bury the Jazz just yet. Huge road trip coming up. I, I think that since they're playing three out of four teams that are losing records and aren't very good, and that is obviously Cleveland, New York, and Detroit, they win those games. At least they're back a little bit. Now, I mean, they got Boston there on Friday, too. And Celtics, uh, a little bit of a different animal there compared to the other three teams. You know, I can't accept two and two. We got some feedback from Dwayne. The Jazz will most likely go two and two, losing to Boston and the Knicks. You just can't do it, man. You got to get back some wins because you gave away some. So you can argue that they've got to get back a win, and one of those wins to get back would be Boston. And actually beating Cleveland, New York, and Detroit, you're just treading water a little bit. All right, I can buy that argument, but you got to get back. You got to get back some of these losses, and you got to get some momentum, man. This Western Conference is looking like a bear, and you've got to find ways to get some momentum to get into the season. Your back's up against the wall, right? We're talking about cliches. Where did they come from? I think you saw this. Yak uh, Clint gave us a bunch. Don't uh, judge a book by its cover. Although that makes a little bit of sense to me. I want the grass isn't always greener. Yeah. Where did that come from? And get off your high horse. That doesn't make no sense. High horse. Where? Come on. And what did we say? Behind the eight ball? Because Donovan Mitchell said yeah, that the Jazz, the they're behind the eight ball. And we both thought that meant your cue ball was literally behind the eight ball. But all that means is you're losing in billiards. Yep. Apparently. That's what it means. You're behind, and you need to make up some ground. Uh, Byron didn't like it. Apparently, that's a Jerry Seinfeld thing, and he said, if I continue to do that, his entire commute, that he was going to be pissed. (laughs) Well, we didn't spend the entire time on that. I hope not. We did hit it as far as where do some of these things come from. I don't know where they come from. This guy send me a thing, Rich. Uh, Apparently, uh, Donald Trump tweeted out that he was in Phoenix and he went to Sammy's Mexican Grill and it's just great. Congratulations to Betty and George Rivas on doing such a wonderful job. And so, you know, Trump obviously is a big lightning rod. And so then he sends to me on Twitter, along with Senator Mike Lee, Ivanka Trump, Katie Nolan, Representative Chris Stewart, Vernon Maxwell, the old uh, Rockets player, and Bill Maher, and my name is on there. And he says about, he's responding to Trump and says, Trump treated this great food at Sammy's Mexican restaurant in Phoenix. I guess he put me in here because I got the Phoenix background. He's, and Rich tweets at President Trump and Fox and Friends and includes me and says, says the guy who hasn't skipped a Big Mac meal in a day. So I'm right there with Bill Maher, Vernon Maxwell, Katie Knoll, and Ivanka Trump. Why was I included on that? I don't care about what this president is eating. It just doesn't uh, make a whole lot of sense to me. All right, hey, we got spring football starting today. We'll have all the reports for you tomorrow because it's media availability 
at around five o'clock. And tomorrow in studio from eight to 10 for two full hours is going to be BYU, former BYU basketball coach, Dave Rose. So we'll have a lot of fun with that. And you'll have a lot of fun staying with us throughout the day. Coming up next are Tony and Austin. So make sure you listen to them and stay with our station the rest of the day. And I will be back tomorrow with coach Dave Rose. Thanks for listening.